Hey everybody, welcome back to my podcast, Bitch Breathe. As promised, this will be the second part of the age issue. So if you haven't listened yet, maybe stop right here and go back to the previous episode where we talked about everything regarding aging and how maybe we can find some ways to do so and to think about it in a more positive light and a really, really healthy, maybe even wise way. So in this second part, I wanted to come at aging from a different angle. So actually aging isn't really the right word. This time I want to talk about the maybe for some of us not so sexy issue of old age. So how do we deal with old age? And secondly to that, how do we deal with the concept of brace yourself, death. Now, before I get into this, I want to send ahead two disclaimers. One is I haven't mastered my fear of death. I definitely haven't gotten to the point where I'm like, I'm okay with this. I know I'm going to be fine. I will reach those pearly gates and God or whoever it is will receive me there and hopefully not send me to some other place (laughs) and think that my life was really great and worthwhile. I haven't gotten there yet, but I'm practicing and have been practicing for a couple of years. The second part I want to say about this is that I am not entirely intimate with it in my life. So this episode is not about how to deal with the death of a loved one. I think that's a really important distinction. In this episode, I want to talk about how I have dealt with, not yet come to terms, or at least not on every day, but how... I want to deal with my own mortality, how I want to go about it. So if this is not your kind of topic, then I want to strongly suggest to stop here. I have a very good friend and we sometimes joke about it because we sometimes have these death conversations and she's like, are you going to talk about death all the time? That's horrible. And the truth is, yes, I am going to talk about it a little bit, but not just that. So if you're curious um, how to sort of look at this and maybe a different angle and maybe you've even done this some of this yourself then stay tuned so what are some of the tools that I've looked at when I was about uh, 40 you'll notice in my in my podcast episodes I noticed a lot of transformative things happen when I turned 40 and there was one morning I woke up and for some reason crystal clear in my head was the idea I'm going to die. And it it became so real to me in that moment that it was sort of like, whoa, what am I going to do? And I I sort of had a minor sort of anxiety episode there where I thought, uh, why is this coming to me now? Like, and why is it so clear? Why does the end feel so real right now? Um, So that was a little bit strange, but it did sort of throw me into this whole new era in my life where I thought, okay, so well, this is coming. I, I want to sort of find ways to maybe not so much prepare, but to acknowledge that this is indeed coming, right? So um, I went at it from two sort of angles. And one was, okay, how do I want to prepare for old age? And for that phase where maybe I'm going to need more help and more support from my environment, from the medical community, and uh, from my own body, really. So what are some of the things I can do? So of course, I was already practicing yoga, 
So I'm not going to stand here and say, hey, guys, let's all, you know, do yoga because that's really going to fix everything. Obviously not. But yoga does have a way where it will slow your thoughts down. You probably know this if you're a seasoned yogi. And also yoga teaches us constantly the idea of impermanence, that nothing and nobody is here to change. Yoga looks at seasons. Yoga and meditation, of course, looks at blossoming and perishing. And that these things don't have to, of course they are, and of course they feel this way, but they don't have to be more dramatic than it already is to lose uh, someone or to, to lose your own life. They look at it in a, in a natural, in terms of nature way. And I've always found that very comforting to know that, yes, this is not so easy. It's not easy to talk about. It's not easy to, to look at your own mortality, but it is part of nature. And to just acknowledge that whatever it is you're feeling about it and however you look at the whole concept of death and dying, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Whatever works for you and your family and your planning of life, that's the right way. The second tool that I looked into, and this one was funny to some of my friends because they're like, come on, Ricardia, you're not that old yet. Are you seriously planning for this? And the answer is yes. I started to talk about some of these issues with some friends and asked them, you know, have you thought about this at all? And some of them really didn't want to have this conversation. They're like, come on, that's really morbid. And why are we talking about this? And let's go have a drink or, you know, celebrate life, which is totally legit. Like, I totally get that you don't want to talk about that. And I respect that. But I did have some friends where I was like, hey, are you planning for this at all? Like, what are you going to do when you're old? And what are we going to do if we're old? If we're old? And we don't have a partner. And that's when a really good friend of mine decided, a friend of mine and I decided, you know what, if we're really single when we're older, and I know this is something we can't plan for, and we don't know who's going when, but I like the idea of, of having a, something to look forward to. And he said, you know what, you and I are going to move together. We had lived uh, move in together. We had lived together before, so we totally know we get along like two peas in a pod. And I thought, exactly, why don't we plan to live with each other uh, when that happens? We're not all going to go at once, hopefully. And there are ways to maybe prepare for this. And so maybe if you have someone you really know you get along with, and who's going to be a cool person to be around when you're old, and everything's you know, sort of sla slagging <laughs> to know that, hey, there's this other person, they're going through it too, and you're going to have a good old laugh here and there. And if there isn't such a person, maybe think about a concept that in Berlin, I know we're doing more and more, which are so-called intergenerational houses. So we no longer live with our grandparents a lot of times, right? Or older people often are very isolated and they don't live with younger people. And let's face it, what could be more invigorating than living with other generations, right? Hearing their ideas on what their plans for life is are. So to just maybe look at something like that, have a concept, have a nice plan for when that time comes to live with other people, meaning Again, like I often say in my episodes, we don't have to do this alone, 
right? Often we think we have to do this alone and, or this is something we'll face later. No, why not? Face it now, plan it now. Obviously plans are there to be changed and altered, but to just have something where you feel like, you know what? I might actually be able to manage some aspects of my own old age. So that's my plan. I'm moving in with my best friend. <laughs> if all uh, goes badly and I'm alone and I'm feeling lonely, then he and I are going to move in together. So that's the second tool. Plan ahead. Have some people that you can imagine a life at old age with. The next tool I have is to talk to someone who can have this kind of conversation with you. As mentioned just before, some people really weren't having it. I mean, I could have told them all my dirty sexual fantasies that I've either lived or have in my head. This would not have been a taboo. But if I started talking about death, they were like, come on, man, that's, let's not do that. Like it's a total taboo, right? And again, I get it. It was that for me too. It's like, why am I talking about this? You know, especially when you're younger. I mean, the beauty of being young is that you do things thinking you're going to live forever. That's what creates a youthful life. And even though we want to keep some of that spirit, of course, um, there's also a beauty in knowing, no, it's not going to go on forever. And there are things that you um, want to talk about. So I had one friend, she also was sort of thinking about it, but didn't really want to talk about it. Or she also experienced that when she did, people were like, why are you being so morbid? You're bringing everybody down. So it coincidentally happened, we were talking, and this issue came up, the issue of death. <laughs> we sometimes just say the word because we feel it's so scary, but also delightfully scary to talk about it. In a, in a way that helps us, that makes the fear go away a little bit more. So once we talked about it and we both started crying and we had this, maybe some of it was a real pity party that we're going to go, that our own mortality is very clear to us. But after that conversation where we both could just say every fantasy and fear we had about this topic, it was like a catharsis right? It was a cleansing. We had cried so much and had admitted to each other just how scared we were of not finishing what it was we wanted to do in life, of losing people we love, of not becoming who we wanted to be by the time this event rolls around, or even the whole process of dying. That was another huge aspect for us that we didn't really have a lot of people that we could talk about it with. So, just to be able to open up a space where we can talk about all the silliness and all the seriousness that surrounds this topic was amazing for both of us. We still talk about this particular conversation all the time because it really propelled us forward. And I'm super grateful that I have this friend who I can talk about uh, these kinds of issues with. So that was the second tool that I have. The third one is when confronted with my own mortality, and again, I'm always only speaking for myself, especially when it comes to this subject, because I'm not as familiar with it as maybe many other people or qualified uh, people. But to look at what is it you still want to do? This is an easy one, right? Bust out the bucket list, check what you've done and what you might want to add, and then go for it. I have a bucket list with two of my closest friends that we share that we each can see 
Um, and we add things to it all the time. Like one was when we did this half jokingly, Machu Picchu, we want to go, right? And I know traveling is not so easy at the moment, but that doesn't mean I can't or we can't dream about it and put things into place so that we can when the time is ripe. But we add things all the time. Some of it's just let's just sit in a cafe somewhere in this and this place or visit a library there or just hang together and talk about whatever, maybe death, but we just have a bucket list that we share. And of course, I also have my own list of things that I still want to do. And by the way, one of those big, big things that I had wanted to do for 10 years was to have my own podcast. Um, so here it is. This is one of the positive results of having looked at my own mortality and realized, you know what, girl, there's a lot of stuff you still want to do. And it's time to put some of those things in place. The fourth tool I think this is now is to read an author. And I will put her books or at least her name in the show notes later. And her name, you're probably familiar with her, is Elisabeth Kübler-Ross. She's actually, I think, a German or a Swiss lady, but she lived in the States for many, many decades as a doctor, and she accompanied people who had near-death experiences, meaning they had gotten close but came back, and people who were terminally ill and were going to pass. And not only do I love how she goes about it, because Here's a scientist, right? And I sometimes, even though I'm a yogi and I consider myself someone who works on her spiritual life, I often also get caught up in the earthly and I want to have some sort of proof. I want to feel like there's some science-y reason behind everything. And that's where Elisabeth Kubler-Ross really helped me because she was a Harvard professor also, as well as a doctor. And she talks about what people experienced when they came close to death and depending on what your spiritual background is or maybe there's no spiritual background at all but the idea that there are this is a tough one that there are um, things to be seen that maybe this isn't all this life I mean this physical life isn't all it's cracked up to be was a very cheerful insight for me and whether it's true or not because let's face it those of us who are here can't prove anything right and when we're on the other side we may not necessarily be able to get in touch <laughs> in, in that way but to know that here's this doctor who talked to these people and who and, and who experienced these stories was a very comforting thought to me and take it or not maybe you think it's total bull hockey but I thought it was very interesting and thorough and entertaining even, as well as comforting. So that's the book about the near-death experiences. And then she's got other books where she talks about accompanying these people who are terminally ill. And she goes very into depth about what it is people need when they are facing death, what it is they need from us who are still here, from their families, and what it is they want to talk about. And I don't want to go into too much depth about that because, again, I feel there are much more qualified people to talk about this. I just want to point out that there are, is some very good literature out there that really, really helped me. And I'll put both of those books in the notes for you to check out later. Another tool that really helped me, of course, I was already in the yoga tradition. I had been raised 
in the church until I was 12. And maybe there'll be another episode about me leaving the church <laughs> and taking a very long time to come back to spirituality. But I had looked at different traditions that way. And I continued to do so once this issue of death or my own mortality, should I say, became more present in my life. So I looked at how do other traditions deal with this? How does Judaism look at it, for example? Certainly the yoga and the Hindu tradition, Christian anyway. And I even read some poetry around it, read books from other um, backgrounds uh, around it, Sufi uh, poems and uh, um, insights about it. And I thought this was also a really, really great way to look at what are some of the rituals, the practices, the preparations, and the aftermath for these traditions around the idea of mortality and death. And I thought it was so rich with color, even, and ideas, lived traditions, and hope, really. And that was something that was really, really helpful to me, is to just look at, hey, how do other cultures and even indigenous people deal with this idea of death? And I thought there were so many very, very interesting and doable things around it. So maybe dive deep. This is a time to really dive deep into those books, into those traditions and spiritualities and see, hey, what fits me? And what I, how I went about it was, what rings true for me? What even sounds like it's very familiar? And I don't just mean I sat in church and I heard about um, you know, God meeting me at the pearly gates again, or, or Jesus. That's not the kind of familiarity I mean. I don't mean fact familiarity. What I mean is something that rings true on the deepest level of your being. And I think you probably have had this experience that something sometimes is so true that it is familiar. You've known this before, not you've read it before, not this has been told to you before, You've known this before. And to maybe use that as a compass for what suits you in terms of traditions and ideas around your own immortality. Uh, immortality, see that? That's another concept. But in this case, of course, I mean mortality. So the last one that I want to point out, the last tool that I think um, actually is quite a fun one. And that is to prepare for the one occasion in your life that truly is inevitable. We prepare for the birth of children, we prepare for our weddings, we even prepare for our divorces, building a house, whatever it is we manifest and we put into place in life. We celebrate often, we mark that occasion in a way that hopefully feels very good to us. So how is it that the one occasion we know is going to happen we don't prepare for. So when this whole idea suddenly came up, I woke up, this by the way happened several times, saw my mortality crystal clear. What um, were some of the things I thought, what, what do I want? Do I want like this funeral thing that people are doing? Um, I also love the idea of in Judaism that they sit Shiva and they don't leave this person who's left behind alone for a whole week. And then they um, wait for 30 days after a person has passed and then there's another way to mark the passing so there's all this stuff around it and I thought no I actually want to help those I leave behind by having them remember me in a way that is joyful that ha even has a celebratory a celebratory aspect so 
I told those closest to me what kind of songs I want played at my funeral. You're going to think this is sounding really morbid, but it actually felt cheerful to me. I told them where I want them to spread my ashes. You can let them know um, if that's something you want to do or maybe you want to dedicate your physical body to science, whatever it is. I don't want to get too heavy on this because, (laughs) like my friend said, you can't make the whole episode about death. (laughs) They're just going to be really sad after. But um, on the contrary, I want to come at this from a point where we are in power, there are some ways that we can decide how old age and our own mortality um, can be something that isn't just an, a place of fear. So yeah, preparing for this time, preparing our families for it, obviously having a will, even if you don't think you own anything, have it anyway, write those letters that you know want to be written, say those things to people that you know they need to hear and you want them to hear. And doing all these things, maybe even if there's a possibility, it isn't always, but are there some relationships that even if we can't rebuild them, is there a way to come to sort of a reconciliatory note on on these relationships? And I'm not saying getting all your ducks in one row and, you know, how do they say, um, or getting your affairs in order, I think it's called. Um, that's that's not what I mean. It doesn't have to be all that. But to just have maybe two or three things that you're like, you know what, I would really love for that to happen or to be in place when it's time for me to face the music. So I have a few hopes after this episode now, and that is that you don't think... I'm claiming to have all the answers about this particular um, subject because I truly, truly don't. These are just tools that I've experimented with, that I've tried to work into a regular spiritual practice so that some of the fear can dissipate. This is not about mastery. This is about modifying, maybe even negotiating my fear of my own mortality and old age, quite frankly, because old age freaks me out (laughs) sometimes on some bad days. I hope these tools were helpful for you. Um, I'd love to hear how are some of the ways you're thinking about these issues. And if you have any comments, please leave them in the comments section. If you like what you heard, it would be great if you could rate and review the podcast. Until then, stay well, sending love.